All right. Um, <laughs> all right, we're getting right into the questions, which is great. So um, so let's get into the questions. Uh, so I'm going to just kind of take them as I go here, as we usually do, and I'll try to keep up as best I can. But if I miss something, just go ahead and throw it at me again as we're going. Uh, wow, Texas, Connecticut. Uh, boom, boom, boom. Washington. All right. Kiva Go right away asks, did you ever have bizarre situations like having a polite phone call with the public while being sworn at by fellow Sea Org members? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, that happened many times. Uh, dealing with public right in front of them, like in live, in person, I'd be standing right there and here's a senior, you know, either giving me a hard time or, you know, behind a closed door just letting loose on somebody. That was, ugh. And I experienced that even as a public before I was even in the Sea Org uh, in Santa Barbara because there was a Sea Org member who was in charge of the org when I started there. And she would just rip people's faces off left, right, and center. She got in the mood for it. Her name was Carol. She's died of cancer many years ago. But she, um, boy, she was hell on wheels as a, as a commanding officer for the org. I wanted to um, also throw out to you guys uh, at the beginning of the show here uh, that I got Ben. I got Reckless Ben and Mike on. Uh, I think most of you guys have probably seen the podcast by now, but if you haven't, uh, check it out. I posted it yesterday. It's been pretty popular, a lot of good views, a lot of good comments. Um, and we go over whole how Ben and Mike hit Scientology and infiltrated it and used cameras and audio and came out uh, and posted about it. So, yeah, they were um, they were a lot of fun to talk to, pretty wild guys. And we'll see what their next three videos have to show us because they have an 8, 9, and 10 coming. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what they pull off. Um, okay, Denmark. Wow. Hey, New Hampshire. At what? Athens, Greece. Damn. I just, oh, love it. Okay, the Bee's Nest asks, are Scientology members declining? Yes. Yes, they are. Absolutely. There's no question about it. Scientology's numbers are going down. Um, their churches are empty uniformly. Uh, the reports we receive, uh, even even Mike and Ben going into the Los Angeles, one of the main line biggest churches they have, and there were like four people on service. They said it was uh, they said it was awful. So, um, you know, in terms of numbers of people actually showing up and getting on service. Okay, um, Jeff asks, uh, getting there. Let's see here. Okay, first off, John McGuire, what do you know about ESWA and other red cults, quote-unquote? You're going to have to give me a little bit more information. I don't. That does not sound familiar to me. I don't think I've heard about that. Uh, Jeff Love Bikes asks, do you still plan on making a video about the e-meter? Yes, I do. Yes, it is happening, and it is happening this year. Um, Taylor, do you plan on doing another more in-depth video on the recent bans in Russia, similar to your previous video on Russia? No, I don't. Uh, Taylor, and the reason why is because my old video on that subject still stands. I, maybe I should, just to kind of re-up it, but um, uh, Lloyd Evans and I actually did a talk about that as well. Both of us are on the same page that banning Scientology or banning these cults in countries is not the, the way to go about it because, um, one, f suppressing freedom of speech, uh, suppressing freedom of religion, suppressing freedom of belief is not a good idea under any circumstances, always backfires, always. And backfires in uh, unpredictable ways, such as the double down effect where existing members double down and start martyring, 
and uh, other people then start, you know, get that more attention is attracted to the subject, and it just um, ends up getting even bigger and scarier. So, yeah, don't want to don't want to get into that. But I'm not. I don't know that I need to do another video about that. We'll we'll see. Um, Karen F, did you watch the JW documentary on Oxygen Network last night? I did not. Uh, I was actually out of town last night speaking at a human trafficking seminar or or workshop. Um, north of here, and I went up there all day and, and uh, was part of a panel discussion from ex-members and people who have been trafficked, and boy, was that eye-opening. Um, so I did not get a chance to see the JW documentary. I also don't have access straight up to the Oxygen Network. Uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to watch that yet, but I'll, I'll probably figure it out. Um, oh, Mersini Papadaki asks, did you recognize anyone on Ben and Mike's videos? Uh, yeah, I recognized a lot of people. I actually did. I actually talked about that in a Q and A I did a couple weeks ago when I was talking about Ben and Mike's content and um, the auditor who audited Ben on Dianetics. Um, some of the people he talked to, and especially the recruiter in Episode Seven, uh, Mac, um, was somebody I worked under for a year when I was doing recruitment. I knew a lot of people in those videos. Um, but not all of them. I didn't know who that registrar was who was trying to sell them and who chased them out in the parking lot for 15 bucks and all that. I didn't, um, I didn't, I don't know who that is. Uh, how do you compare Reckless Ben's time in versus Ross and Carrie's, Kiva Go asks. Um, well, Ross and Carrie obviously were taking it a little more seriously, a little bit more, you know, they did some more research prior to going in and they were kind of there a little less spectacularly, I guess you could say they were trying to be a little bit more normal about the whole process. Um, I think Ben and Mike were, were pointing out the um, the goofinesses as they were coming up a lot faster. Um, so different takes, but similar approaches. And of course, Ross and Carrie didn't come out with any video. And that was the thing that was most valuable about what Ben and Mike did in terms of infiltration is, um, oh, hey, thanks, David, for that uh, super chat there. Um, that was most useful, helpful in terms of being able to see what a session looks like, right? And be able to hear what they talk about, how they talk, especially in episode seven, that little tiny bit where the glasses got confiscated and they were still recording. And you could hear how the Sea Org members were talking to each other, um, when nobody, when they didn't think anybody else was around, and you notice that the cadence, tone, attitude of how they talk completely changes from how they talk to the public, and that was, um, you know, it was a little subtle point, and I don't know that it that it got highlighted well enough in that episode seven, but check it out, and I think you'll get what I'm saying. It's, um, of course, I have, you know, all the knowledge about that, so it's so maybe I'm seeing things that's harder for people to see, but I, I thought that was a key moment in the video series. Okay, Molly Gog. Hey, Chris, can you tell us about how your search for knowledge continues to empower you to speak against the church and to make a difference in the world? Oh, God, yeah, I love that stuff. Um, you know, I love learning, and I think critical thinking is where it is at. We need it now more than ever. This is – I – I have become more and more discouraged as time has gone on as I've been, you know, acclimating and recovering from Scientology and, and assimilating into the big wide world. I have become more and more, 
discouraged in many ways about the state of people's ability to think, uh, you know, my own <laughs> included, okay? I'm the, this ain't no, like, pedestal talk here where I'm putting myself on a dais. I mean, I'm looking at my and how I think, too, and when I say all this stuff, okay? Just us, how we all think about things, how we jump to conclusions, how we make the worst possible assumptions and interpretations of events, how we don't even realize that the way we think is, is, is a framing. It's not an objective reality. Just because you see something or think something doesn't make it true. But most people assume that if they think something, that must be how it is, you know, or if they see something, what they saw must be the only possible way it could be seen, you know, this kind of stuff. So learning this stuff, learning about how this stuff works has definitely made my life calmer and chiller in many ways, um, especially with learning about history, too, by the way. It gives a lot of longer-term perspective. I think a lot of us are really caught up right now, especially in the United States with, uh, with the election craziness and stuff. I think a lot of us are caught up in um, the immediacy of what we see as the problems of the world or the problems in our lives, and, and we don't have or even have the ability to get some perspective on it. And I, and I, and you never know when you look. I, am I being a am I being a, a an apologist for tyranny if I say, hey guys, chill out. It's not really that bad. Things are going to get better. Am I being one of those you know hapless idiots who you know, in history who didn't get out of Germany in time or something? And am I being that, or am I being a sage person <laughs> giving giving good advice to calm people down so the stress and anxiety comes down? You know. It's impossible for us to know what position we're in in history when we're in the middle of it. Anyway, kind of going on and on a little bit here. But, um, but the knowledge that I've been gaining has definitely been helping me to, to, to understand and fight back more effectively against um, cult, cult mechanisms, mind control stuff. And I, and I, I think it's valuable. And I, and I hope that, um, that you guys enjoy the ride <laughs> as we go along here. I don't want to get preachy. Just... Uh, yeah. Um, okay, Chris Klenowitz, uh, you were a rec recruiter. Have you tried to talk anyone out of the Sea Org that got in? Also, do you still have any close friends or family that didn't disconnect? Okay. Um, I was a recruiter. Um, I have not talked anybody out of the Sea Org. Sea Org members won't talk to me ever under any circumstances except to tell me to, you know, maybe get out or get away or something like that if I were to approach a church of Scientology. I have talked with existing Scientologists, and I have talked them down from the ledge or helped them out, so to speak, really only by giving them information and letting them make up their own minds, because that was one of the things I realized along the way here, is there is no talking someone out of these things. There is giving them more information with which they can think, so they talk themselves out of it, and they make their choices on that. Um, I still do. I still have close friends or family that didn't disconnect. I had very, very close friends in the Sea Org who have disconnected from me. Some of whom have even left the Sea Org and are still. I'm blocked. They're still Scientologists. They won't talk to me. They won't listen to anything I have to say. So, yeah, that still is a thing. But my family's all out. My family is completely out, and I am not disconnected from my family. Uh, Fred Flogiston, is it typical auditing technique to let somebody repeat a story and change it slightly on every iteration until it changes the desired result? Uh, absolutely, that is standard. That's called memory and how it works and how Scientology fucks with it, basically, to be brutally blunt. 
Um, that Dianetics session is ex that Ben went through is is exactly representative of how Dianetics runs, and um, I was I was surprised that they didn't recognize it when I asked him about it in the podcast, and I asked Ben about hypnotism, and it, of course it's just because they haven't really looked into study or studied hypnotism at all. So uh, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised by that, but that's that is what's going on in these Dianetics sessions, and it does mess with your memory, and it does mess with your ac the accuracy of what happened to you. Absolutely, it does. Okay, Holy Land of Joseph Smith. Let's see what else we got here. Um, got a thumb back up. Oh, there we go. Um, oh, Sunflower Sky asks, do you know who Parker Osman is? He used to be a bite guard at Big Blue. He's been missing. I'm sorry, I don't. I've been out for seven years. I've been away from the pack base since, two, since the end of 2012, and I've only gone back a couple times to walk around the block or look around, but I'm not in touch with anybody there, and I did not know Parker Osman. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, hey Stockholm, um, Jay Imagine, have you seen the movie The Prophet? Yes, I have. Um, an early attempt or a year, an attempt years ago to show what Scientology looks like from the inside. Not a bad movie, mixes up a few things, but generally accurate and uh, certainly worth watching. Um, okay, Mamaki1987 asks, started to read your book. What makes the communication course so successful? It seems to be one of the main courses to draw people in. Yes, it does. And the reasons for that are because communication is one of the biggest barriers people experience in life. They have a hard time talking to people. They have a hard time being honest, being open with their feelings or expressing how they feel or even understanding how to express themselves at all. This is a very, very big problem around the world, and so communication tends to be one of the major, major buttons to get people in. Uh, talking to your family, talking at work, talking to your friends, right? All the, all the context and all the situations. The other thing about the communications course that really wows people is the trans induction. This is more, you know, what I was going on about with Dianetics, right? As you sit there for a few minutes looking into somebody else's eyes, and, um, you know, John Atack recently posted a breakdown video that they did w with me and Steve Hassan and Christian Zirko at Toronto years ago where we actually broke down the TRs, the communication drills that you do on the communications course. And we broke down why John described in detail how they are hypnotic and how they in implant suggestions and how people can get can disassociate to the point where they can feel that they've gone exterior to their body and that's a state of disassociation is what that is right you are you you're you know you're you're not some spiritual entity that's separating from your body okay this is not reality guys so uh but people are told that that is what reality is and in fact a lot of people in the 70s were, were really euphoric and ecstatic about the communications course because they were doing these drills for hours and hours and hours staring at each other and, um, and, inv and inducing these, these uh, euphoric trance states and disassociative states. So it's actually not good for you to be doing it the way they do it. There, there is some practical use and, and skill to be learned in doing these drills in terms of looking at people, talking to people, being willing to deal with people's, you know, bullshit when they're, when they're giving you a hard time or antagonizing you. The drills are, are helpful in that regard. Um, they're good for learning how to say something clearly and, 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 and so people can hear you. 
But, you know, that's about a, an hour or two of work. That's not hours and hours and hours of, you know, sitting there trying to exteriorize from your body or something. All right. Uh, let's move on. I want to get through a lot of questions, and I can see people are still posting things, so I'm just kind of going in sequence here and trying to keep up. Uh, the Bee's Nest, do you still get harassed by Scientology members? Um, I, yeah, I mean, a little bit. I get trolling and stuff. I don't, get, I don't get really harassed in terms of them following me around or giving me a hard time. They have really chilled on the fair gaming for people like me. They go after Leah. They go after Mike. They go after the people who are bringing suits against them. Um, but they really tailor it down and are trying to make it as as less public exposure as possible. I think they learned some lessons from the Marty Rathbun time where, you know, we can just video them stalking us and harassing us and, and doing all the things they do and, and expose them for that, right? Because it's obvious who's doing it. So they've kind of chilled on that. And I, I guess it's just a strategic move on their part to do that. So I, so I haven't been harassed um, that much. Okay, uh, John McGuire clarifies, ESWA, Eastern Service Workers Association, when I was there, I checked out the Cater's browser history, all communist hymns, so yeah, total red cult, rabid leftists. Okay, um, news to me, not, not heard of them. All right, Joseph Hamblin, how much longer does Scientology have before it collapses? On its own, without any sort of external effort, I don't know that it ever will. Um, Unless law enforcement in the United States gets serious about investigating what Scientology is really all about and cracking down on the human rights abuses that occur there on a daily basis, and so far there is zero indication that anyone in law enforcement is actually serious about this, they're going to continue doing what they're doing. Now, if David Miscavige somehow were to freak out, go psychotic, have some, you know, something wacky happen, that might cause it to implode. If David Miscavige were arrested and perp-walked, you know, under certain circumstances, that might make it implode. But generally speaking, these groups have an inertia that is surprisingly difficult to bust through and shut them down. Even tiny little groups like this little, I think it was called the family or something in the in the late 60s or early 70s. I mean, that was this little sex cult. They had like, I don't know, I think about 100 members or something. The guy died. The, the group sort of disbanded a little bit, but it just kept going, and, and it kept going and going and going. I mean, there was a group from the 1800s that didn't, its last member died in like the 1930s or 40s or something. I mean, it just kept, these things just keep going because the books are in circulation, and, you know, as soon as somebody picks up a Dianetics book and reads it and goes, oh, this looks cool, and starts working with somebody else, and then they, they're doing Dianetics, and then they get some other people, and then they start a group, and there it is. It's going again, you know? So it's, 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 uh, you know, it's a little hard to predict how, how they will collapse. Now, saying all of that, maybe there could be some kind of black swan event or some kind of unexpected thing that's going to happen that's going to blow the whole thing up, right? That could happen easily tomorrow. So, you know, predictions are only about as worth about as much as you paid for it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Taylor, thank you very much for your answer on the Russia question. Yes, you're very welcome. Um, oh, Marcy Hamilton was on the JW dot. Cool with Lloyd. Excellent. Uh, okay. Um, I call ESWA leftists, but of course they're a cult, so 100% disingenuous. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll probably check it out at some point. 
I'm kind of deep down the rabbit hole right now on MLMs, multi-level marketing schemes, and then also LGATs, the large group awareness training groups, as also as, as looking at them from a cult paradigm. Uh, and boy, do they check all the boxes. Oh, man. Uh, anyway, got a lot, to, a lot of work on uh, on that that I'm doing that I think you guys are gonna are gonna like. Um, hey, yeah, uh, ex Scientologist involved in a mission near Los Angeles from '76 to '79. Yes, there definitely was not any internet back then. Okay, well, I'm glad you got out, and and I'm glad you're here. Thanks for uh, liking my channel. Uh, Wyoming, yes. Okay. Um, oh, okay. Jen Rasmussen says, what do you think the punishment will be for the people who were seen in Mike and Ben's videos? I think they're going to end up doing lower conditions and, and a lot of scrubbing pots and stuff. And probably a lot of, um, you know, there's going to be some yelling and screaming for a little bit. I'm sure they're going to experience that. Um, you know, on, on the other hand, they were saying and doing their jobs. So, and they didn't really say and do anything that unusual. You know, the fact that that gets out into the public is its own level of flat, but it's not like it was their fault that that happened. You know, I mean, they how are they supposed to know that spy glasses exist and what they look like and how to... Sp I mean, th this is a new thing for Scientology as far as that goes. Excuse me. When I was in, all the time I was in, we were never briefed on how to spot a spy. You know, so so I don't know that they're going to really get raked over the coals a whole lot more than, you know, anything from a severe talking to to some conditions. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't see RPF assignments or, you know, weeks and weeks of, of grueling punishment or something for those folks. I could be wrong. You know, the environment changes and it's hard to gauge where things are at all the time, but... Um, but I think they're going to, I don't think it's going to be fun for them. That's for sure. But I don't think it's going to be, you know, I don't think they're going to get beaten or anything like that. Um, okay. Oh, uh, Salmon says, I, I'm sorry, Sam, A-N-J-M. I am currently researching Om Shinrikyo, uh, from English and Japanese sources. Would you like to make a podcast about that? Uh, sure. Email me. Yeah, email me at askchrisshelton at gmail.com, and uh, let's talk. Uh, the Om Shunrikyo, and I always get the pronunciation all screwed up on that, was just so amazing. Uh, such an amazingly creepy, bizarre, horrifying uh, cult situation over in Japan that got busted pretty bad because they were going to release sarin gas. They tried and failed, but they were going to, um, they tried to distribute sarin gas on a broad basis, and they had plans. I mean, it was bad. Um, Crunchy asks, if you had to create a critical thinking cult focused on the truth and science, how would you go about creating it? Um, I would start pushing science the way it's pushed in some ways in certain circles on the internet where science is a dogma instead of understanding that science is actually just a, a, a group of processes that fallible human beings engage in in order to forward our understanding or predict our knowledge of things. Um, you know, science is not about truth. Science is about observing things and trying to figure out why they work that way and coming up with probabilities of why things work. So I would alter those truths to so that truth and science were a little, little twisted. I would come up with different definitions for them. Uh, that I could push and kind of, you know, get people into very dogmatic frames of mind about it. 
And uh, then I would say, of course, that we have the one and only truth that matters, which is truth and science, right? And uh, I would go from there. Uh, Okay, how do you feel about Mormonism? Sunflower Sky asks. Uh, I feel like Mormonism is Scientology light. I feel like Mormonism is a destructive cult, and it's in its later stages. They change with the times. They are able to, you know, have new prophecies that somehow just happen to coincide with the social values of the society they live in, um, where destructive cults tend to not do that. So they're kind of a late stage, you know, acclamation stage kind of thing. Um, but they, but make no mistake about it, Mormonism is still a destructive cult. They still engage in practices that are absolutely destructive to people's good health and well-being, especially children, uh, with their, um, oh, what do they call those things? These uh, They have these interviews they do, and I've ju- I just heard about this yesterday again. Um, but they do these interviews where they 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 basically analogous to Scientology's um, interrogations or sec checks, security checking. They just don't use a meter. But the Mormons um, are just as stringent and just as hardcore and just as disciplinary when it comes to somebody stepping out of the group. They'll shun them. They will disconnect from them. Uh, it's not good, you know. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, thanks, Anna. Thanks for catching me here. All right. Uh, both sides. Yeah, I think we need to question our thoughts and figure out if they are true before we react. Think, then respond. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, let's see here. Going back up. And okay, ex Scientologist, what can you say about the cult of Trump? Uh, I did a whole podcast on that with Steve Hassan, who wrote the book, The Cult of Trump. So we talked about it extensively there. I don't know that I can really repeat a whole lot of that here effectively, except to say that not all Trump supporters are cultists, okay? This isn't a black and white thing, right? If you support Trump, you're in a cult. That's not, that is not the message. There is a hardcore group of people who are have unthinking loyalty and um, an inability to even conceive that Donald Trump is capable of error or is capable of narcissistic uh, actions or, or um, lying, the pathological lying. I mean, they just don't see any of it. Or if they do, they excuse all of it. And that's wrong. And I don't care who you're talking about. I'll call out anybody on that. It just so happens that Trump is the most powerful person in the world right now, and that kind of bothers me. So um, anyway, don't know what else to say about that that I haven't already said it at length, you know. Um Here's an interesting question. The Tito Guardian asks, what would you say to L. Ron Hubbard if you could speak to him face-to-face today and without the church's involvement? What about Miscavige? Huh. You know, my first thought in answering this question is which L. Ron Hubbard? Because the L. Ron Hubbard of the 1950s was different from the L. Ron Hubbard of the 1960s, different from the 70s and 80s, where he started going really crazy. And if I was going to talk to L. Ron Hubbard from the 70s or 80s, I really wouldn't have a whole lot to say to the man except, you know, fuck off. <laughs> because he was nuts. I mean, what was I going to say to him? What would I say to somebody who is suffering from that level of dementia? You know, um... As far as the L. Ron Hubbard of the 50s or 60s, I think I might have some fairly harsh words for the man. I think I might confront him rather harshly about his actions and the lying and the narcissism and the, and the megalomania 
And I think I would confront him head on about that. I, I don't think I would make any bones about it. And I think I would love to confront him in a social situation where I could really take him down. Because, of course, I know things about Overrun Hubbard that he doesn't have any clue people know about him. <laughs> you know, um, so that might be kind of an interesting conversation, actually. Uh, as far as David Miscavige, similar. Uh, if I had David Miscavige in a room or if I had David Miscavige in a situation where I could actually talk to the man, I'd, I would probably have some fairly harsh words for him, but I would also have some fairly direct and burning questions for him, too, that I know would make him feel very uncomfortable. Uh, questions about Shelley, of course, questions about um, you know his lies, but more questions about what he's actually doing. And um, how he has, you know, claimed to be the guarantor of Scientology's purity and um, yet has altered everything to make it worse, has emphasized the very worst of L. Ron Hubbard's policies and guidelines, like disconnection and like the OSA stuff. And I would kind of get in his face about, about some of that and, and why, you know, demand some answers on that. Uh, okay, uh, see, check out Street Epistemology, yep, that's for sure, um, let's see, excuse me, uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, uh, work in Kailami, see the Sea Org shuttle bus often, from what I can tell, they all wish they could go external and escape based on looks on faces, Gregory, uh, Nitsky says, yeah, that's for sure, I, you know, when I was sitting on the bus, driving around from place to place, being transported from the base to other places, if I was in the sea, when I was in the Sea Org, um, yeah, you look at the round at the outside world and you just think, uh, am I, is this really worth it? Is what I'm doing even does it even matter? You know, I mean, you have all those thoughts, but you know, the social pressures and everything, you kind of keep going. But yeah, I, I can imagine the looks on their faces. Okay, let's see here. How, oh, okay, Joseph Hamblin, how long do auditing sessions normally take? Uh, not 10 hours. <laughs> the sessions actually take as long as they take. Auditing sessions in Scientology can go, uh, depending on what level you're at, because auditing's different from one level to the next to the next, right? You understand the procedures are different, the, 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 the end results can be different. So uh, you can have sessions at the highest levels that go, like on OT7, that go for like five minutes. Um, then you can have sessions that go like Ben did in Dianetics, you know, for 10 hours. I mean, Hubbard talked about auditing people all night long sometimes, right? You have to, you can't end the session unless the guy is happy and euphoric. That's the whole point of the auditing. And, um, and sometimes it takes people a long time to get there. Average session, though, is two and a half hours. So there you go. Um, let's see. Keep it go. I'd like to know what Scientologists thought of Steve Irwin being killed by a stingray at the time. Were any fans of his of him as a very theta big being until he pulled it in? Well, I, I can't speak to anything about Steve Irwin specifically, but uh, as far as the context of that goes, yeah, Scientologists are going to say he pulled it in. I mean, that's what they believe. Uh, they believe that universally. If something bad happens to you, it's on you, you know, in, in an ultimate sense. Um, you know, even Scientologists would have cognitive dissonance dealing with, like, you know, child victims of, of sexual assault or something. But, but again, in an ultimate sense, if you really drill down on them and talk to them about it, um, it, it would not be hard to sh for them to say or to show them that the child spiritually 
did something in a past life that might have um, opened them up to or made them susceptible to to that kind of um, victimization. It's it, that's just the Scientology way, man. It's how they are. Uh, so as far as Steve Irwin goes, yeah, that's that's what they would have thought. Uh, Jeff loves bikes. I heard that Pack Base has cameras with facial recognition software. Yeah, they they do. Do they keep files on all people on the base just in case, or just the antagonistic people? They are mainly focused on um, people uh, that they that are antagonistic to the church, but they have photos of every single person on the base. I mean, they issue ID cards, uh, little because they have locked doors, locked access points uh, to get to the galley, to get to the living areas, or uh, to get down to the basement of the management areas, to get into the RTC offices. And it's not only one code; it's there's multiple levels of coding. So. They have these ID cards, and um, and so of course they have everybody's pictures, and uh, and that and so they use the the facial recognition tech for that internally as well as externally. Like they'll use it internally if some guy is seen coming out of his dorm room at two thirty in the afternoon. Well, he's not supposed to be up there, so you know if the camera spots him and and uh, can auto chit him, it can automatically write a report on him. Uh, that he was uh, off post in an area where he wasn't supposed to be in. Okay. Uh, no change of heart, just tactic. Okay. Okay. Some kind of box says, Chris, can you say a word or two about what lombosis is? LRH mentions it in the gradation video saying it's a weird disease known only in Scientology. Yeah, it's just a made-up name for a disease. It's not anything creepy or specific. It's just Hubbard coming up with a name for a generic Un, you know, unknown disease. That's all. Uh, let's see. At least that's how I always understood it. And if I'm wrong, then I've always misunderstood it because that's how I that's how I understood it. Okay, let's see. Uh, oh, Preacher, 1138. Hey, man. In the second Ben and Mike video, Ben's auditor, when saying Scientology is the world's fastest growing religion, she said it's huge. When referring to Church of Scientology's expansion, do you read anything into that? Uh, no. I, I, I don't. Um, I believe most of Church of Scientology's members are um, conservative. The Scientology mindset is a conservative mindset. I was very conservative uh, when I was in Scientology. As I got older, I got a little bit more liberal uh, in some ways, but for the most part as a Scientologist, I was pretty conservative. So, um, so I think they tend to support Trump and all that, but I'm not going to take one word one person said and say, oh, well, obviously she was, you know, uh, exemplifying Trump or something. I, you know, I don't know if that's the case. Okay, let's see here. Because it was very strange. Yep, okay. Oh, okay. Dante Anisi asks, the church or org in Austin, Texas, excuse me, used to walk up to people trying to get people to come in and experience Scientology. It was very strange, and it seemed to make people uncomfortable. Is this normal? Yeah. That's called body routing. Uh, they are trying to route bodies into the church. They, they stand there on the sidewalk, and they pass out promo, or they pass out the personality tests, and they try to physically block the way and invite you in. And if they can't physically block the way, then they'll try to verbally, you know, um, move your body into their building. And that's just a usual way of um, them promoting Scientology. 
Do you think, uh, let's see here, Mamaki1987, do you think Scientology will end when Miscavige dies? I mean, he's not getting younger after all. Okay, uh, answered this so many times, but yeah, uh, it depends. It totally depends on how he dies, how he leaves. Um, if he were to just die, I don't think it's going to end. I think somebody else will step up or a couple people will step up somehow. That's what I think will happen. But it's it, there's missing information that we don't have that makes it an impossible question to answer. Like, is there a secession plan of some kind? Uh, a succession plan, I should say. Um, is there... Um, are the keys to the kingdom even passable? You know, does does David Miscavige have passwords or codes or knowledge of things that are vital to Scientology's uh, continued existence that he has not passed on to anybody else? To, you know, it's an impossible question to answer, except for he, he's the only one who can answer that. So that's why I, I hem and haw on this or hedge my bets on these questions is because I don't want to sit here and say, oh, yeah, as soon as he's dead, it's over. Well, that's not that's not how well, that's not what happened with the JWs. It's not happen. That's not what happened with the Mormons. So why would I think that that's what's going to happen with Scientology? You know, um, so it's a little hard to it's a little hard to tell. Um, let's see here. Looked into Amway. Yes, absolutely. I've looked into Amway. All right. Let's see if I can uh, cruise through some of these. Um, Market America. Yeah. Uh, proud Scientologist here just donated my life saving to save the planet. Knock yourself out. <laughs> okay, let's see here. Unless you're devil on the mound, da 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 da. D D D. Okay, looks like we're getting close to the bottom here. Up, oh, no, no. Here's some questions. Oh, hey, hey, Alanda. Good to see you too. All right, cruise back up here. Got a lot of questions. I got to catch up to here. Okay, some kind of. What are your plans during 2020 for your channel, Ascari Navarro asks. Okay, um, so far, the main things I have on, on, the, on the lineup for this year that I've, that I've sort of got in the works is the MLM series on, on multi-level marketing. Get the tone scale video done. Get the metering video done. Everything else is gravy right now. Those, those are the things on the lineup to get done this year, and I'm already behind... Um, because of course I am. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Go to special events, but I want to give them all the money. Oh, yes. You're very welcome, Angie. Thanks for thanking me. Worthy interviews. Yes, that's it. Worthy interviews. That's what I was. That's what I was um, thinking of earlier. Okay. Hey, Scotland. Um, were your parents that introduced you to Scientology? Ramon Canizales asks. Yes, it was my parents. They got involved when I was four years old. So I guess you could say they introduced me to Scientology. <laughs> okay. Glenn Beck publicly asked aloud whether the Founding Fathers were prophets, which, as you look into the Great Accommodation, could be where Mormons heading. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. American freedom. Yeah, we'll just skip that. All right. Might have a troll. We'll see. I would ask him what he was smoking. Um... Light of the world. Yes, I remember the, your email about that. Um, you know, I want to say here, just to put it out there, that people email me, Ascari, you have, other people have, tw you know, tw two cults have been mentioned here in the feed so far today. There are thousands of destructive cults in the world, religious and non-religious in nature, thousands of them. 
I could do videos, I could spend the rest of my life doing videos on every single group that people email me and ask me about. And I've decided that I don't want to approach cults that way. I will focus on specific cults when there are specific differences or things about them that I think highlight a specific point that, I, that, is, that is necessary that maybe doesn't come up in Scientology or doesn't come up in the JWs or other groups that I've exposed or done work with or work on. So I, that's how I try to judge whether I should do work on something or not. And um, I don't know if that is something people are going to agree with necessarily because I understand that some people get, you know, come from groups that are, you know, their groups. They're very focused on that. That's very important to them, and I totally understand that. Um, but I could I, – it would be a fool's errand for me to check out every single individual cult out there because I just do nothing else but that for all my life. And I have bigger ideas about how I might educate people about this stuff beyond just focusing on individual groups. So um, I'm not saying that because I'm trying to tell you that you guys are, are wrong for, for referring me to groups or talking to me about them or showing them to me. Please do continue doing that. I just want you to know that my how I'm sort of looking at it when I'm looking at judging how I should take on any kind of group. Okay. Um, Let's see here. Understand this? What are you smoking? Okay, good. Um, okay. Kiva Go. What might have happened to Scientology if the Sea Org was completely disbanded in 1975 when they stopped being at sea and ceased to exist from then on? Um, Scientology would be a lot bigger than it is now. Because the Sea Org would not have um, instigated Operation Snow White. There wouldn't have been that bust. Mary Sue wouldn't have gone to jail. Management wouldn't have been rearranged. Hubbard wouldn't have got to go off into hiding the exact way that he did. Uh, there wouldn't have been as much pressure on him to stay in hiding. Um, the Mission Network would not have been disbanded and collapsed uh, in on itself or imploded, basically, by the Sea Org in the early 80s. And they were making Scientologists hand over fist in the 70s and 80s through those missions. So that's why I say it would be bigger now. Uh, it would be a completely different situation. It would still be a destructive cult, make no mistake about that. And Hubbard would still be just as much of a tyrant, and Miscavige still would have been part of the picture and could himself have still climbed up to the top. And Hubbard still would have had to have died at some point, you know. So things could have still turned out in a similar way, but it would have been so different without the Sea Org. Um, I don't think Scientology really, I don't know. It just would have been so different that I, I don't know how their management structure would, be, would have been formed up. You know, because it's because it wouldn't survive. It was all just a bunch of individual city level churches and some Sea Org bases. I mean, the the nature of Scientology would have demanded something like the Sea Org, if not the Sea Org, right? In order just even if just to deliver the OT levels. So um, yeah, so it'd be a different picture for sure, but um, probably not that different, <laughs> except bigger. Like I said, I'm positive they would be bigger. Um, do you consider the Catholic Church as a cult, and why not? What is the difference to Mormonism for this judgment, Fred? Um, the Catholic Church is always a difficult one. The Catholic Church is, is, is so big and so varied from one place to the next that it's hard for me to just say the Catholic Church as a whole 
is a destructive cult. I, I don't see it that way. But I do see a lot of culty behavior in the Catholic Church. And certainly the covering up of pedophilia and the sexual assaults and all that. I mean, that's, you know, that's not just something that cults do, though. I mean, let's be clear that, you know, all corporations and, and these groups are ultimately corporations as well as religious institutions act to preserve themselves. They act out of self-preservation and they cover up stuff that is horrifying in the misbegotten idea that this is that by suppressing that information they can somehow better survive into the future rather than being transparent and open. So, uh, so the Catholic Church has blown it big time over and over and over again. Um, but I, but their dogma is not in and of itself a destructive dogma. And that's how I see it. Now, I, I, again, there are a thousand individual exceptions to that. There are rogue, not rogue, there are, there are um, elements in these groups that have a lot of power and can abuse that power and can act in culty ways. And so, um, and I think I've said that before. So I, I, that's my take on that right now. It's a difficult question, um, but that's how I, that's how I see it. Um, you know, yeah, that's how I see, that's how I see it. And I, and I hope that's clear. Like the, like I look at the Mormons and, and the things they do are institutionalized. The Catholic Church does not institutionalize priests sexually assaulting children. When when priests do that, that's them. That's on them doing that. That's not the church telling them to do that. When the Mormons do these worthiness interviews, that's an untrained, unlicensed person basically practicing a form of, of, of therapy in a way. The way some of the some of the demands that are done uh, with these some of the demands they make and some of the conversations they have are faux therapy kind of conversations, and they're also interrogatories, they're, in, you know, interrogations. Um, but that's institutionalized. That's, you know, it's not just one or two bad eggs in the Mormon church that are doing these crazy interviews on 12-year-olds asking them about their masturbatory practices and whether they've had sex yet or not. That's, that's an institutionalized thing. I don't think the Catholic church does that. And if I'm wrong, enlighten me. You know, I, I was wrong about Catholic confessions. I used to compare them to Scientology confessionals or sect checks, and that was completely wrong. So I'm willing to learn more about this, but that's that's how I that's how I look at that. Okay, um, Ramon Canizales, is it true that Mike Render went back to Scientology? No, uh, Mike Render definitely did not. I think you're actually thinking about Marty Rathman, and he didn't either. I think he just got blackmailed into backing off and and um, decrying all the things that he had that he had said. Okay, Ascari, uh, what would you think Scientology would say about the coronavirus? Have you spoken or kept in contact with Mike Rinder? Okay, um, I think that Scientology would say this about the coronavirus. Wow, there's a whole lot of PTS people out there, and the SPs are going wild, spreading more viruses and, and, um, and more chaos in order to... The, the merchants of chaos are causing chaos in the world in order to interbulate the world is the word they would use uh and we got a lot of work to do and we better move faster because they are not slowing down in how they are trying to take this world down and we got to step it up that's how scientologists would think about that okay um 
Any famous athletes in Scientology? Um, no. <laughs> Not that I know of. Not in a long time. Uh, in the 80s, there was an Olympic athlete whose name is escaping me right now. And there was a race car driver, a French race car driver, who was sponsored by Dynetics, actually. That was the last time they made any forays into the athletic world that I remember. Uh, okay. Um, let's see here. A.E. Rivera Weaver had a question regarding Scientology. Has done any human trafficking? Yeah, I was trafficked. Um, Scientology, the Sea Organization, is in some form, some of what the Sea Org gets up to is a form of slave labor, uh, especially the RPF, right? Which might be one of the reasons why they shut it down, because human trafficking charges are legit when you start talking about the RPF. For sure, and especially some of the and some of the other activities the the Org gets involved in, where they're keeping people up all night, days on end, you know that kind of physical abuse, um, is is also a form of trafficking, right? So, and of course they're moving people around from country to country and hiding them and keeping their passports and visas and stuff. So yeah, the Scientology is absolutely engaged in human trafficking. And it sure would be nice if you know law enforcement would lift a finger to look into it. Heather Hamilton, do you reject religious beliefs or maintain any faith beliefs after beginning cult recovery? Um, yes and no. Um, I have religious beliefs that are that I've voiced in the past in my Q and A show, so I won't I won't go into full you know dogma breakdown there. Um, my religious beliefs are that you know yeah sure maybe there's a God somewhere, but if there is, you and I don't know who He is. And he certainly doesn't care anything about what's going on here on Earth. Why would he? We're, there's nothing special about us. Um, and, you know, if somebody could prove to me there was no other life anywhere in the universe, then I might reconsider that position. But how do you prove that, right? But if you could, if you could somehow prove that, that we were the only life anywhere in the infinity of space and time, um, then maybe I might reconsider that we're special in some regard. But I don't think that's true at all. So um, so I don't maintain any kind of religious beliefs that would be anything that I think people would identify or, or with or, or, or think, uh, you know, would be church-like. <laughs> and for the most part, I am very anti-organized religion. I'm, I'm not really down with organized religion a whole lot. But I understand the need, not the desire or the want, but the need for it with a whole lot of people out there. Uh, in order for them to be able to feel that they have um, moral agency and the ability to lead a good life, they have to have a belief in God. They're unable to think outside that box. I've met those people, right? I'm, it's, it's not an intelligence thing so much as just kind of how they're put together, I guess, and the amount of work it would take to undo that or get them out of that box is so much work that I don't think it really is realistic that it could be done on any kind of mass scale. So, um, and, and I don't think it's just a matter of, well, if we handle education and, and you know, and, and teach critical thinking skills, it'll all just go away in a generation or two. That's, that's just, come on, guys. That's just not how this, any of this works. So um, I used to think that, you know, I used to think that that was kind of a realistic option. And I've since met enough people in this, this ex-cult world and examine the nature of belief deeply enough at this point for myself that I am absolutely positive that religious belief will always be with us in one form or another. Um, but I don't 
uh, particularly engage in a whole lot of that other than wondering and hoping that there's more because, you know, I'd like there to be some kind of form of life for me after this body dies. And I, I think that even saying that's kind of ridiculous because, you know, what, what would it even look like? It's, so it's really just kind of a hope. It's not a belief. And that's where I'm at. Uh, let's see. Going to have to wrap up soon. So let's see if I can circle down here. I'm going to start skipping over some, see if I can just kind of see where we're at and if I've missed anything super, super cool. Um, oh, ex-Scientologist asks, can you tell us some great things that happened to you recently? <laughs> sure. Um, okay, well, I got to go to this human trafficking talk yesterday. That was interesting. Uh, very, very eye-opening as far as as far as that world goes. Um I have given up on saving the world. And I'm going to keep talking about this for a while, guys, because it's just so significant to me. I really don't know if I can get across how big of a deal this was for me. I mean, huge, life-changing, um, that I can look at the world and not think that I have to do something about every little thing that's going on in it. Because it's impossible. It's an it's, it's impossible dream, you know? It's like, why would I... It, 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 it sets up an impossible standard, and it just makes you miserable. <laughs> you know? So so getting rid of that huge, huge layer of the onion sort of stripped off there in terms of the recovery process. So so that was pretty cool. And, um, yeah, I think, that's, I think those are a couple things. Okay. <laughs> um, for me, those kind of milestones in recovery are significant. They're big deals in my life. I, I, I know for other people that might not sound like a really big deal. Um, you know, maybe buying an Aston Martin or something might be more cool, but for me, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. You know, that's what, that's what makes me happy. Uh, let's see here. Any new three apostates episodes? Yeah, I just did one a couple weeks ago and we will have another one. Um, probably, probably every other month or so. I think you're going to see a three apostates episode is kind of how these seem to be working out. All right. Got a lot of comments here to catch up on. Uh, what do you think Osa will do to the Reckless Ben guys? I, I, I talked earlier in this video about it, so check that out. We also talked about it in the podcast, so watch the podcast. Um, oh, yeah, S. Whittle asks, have you heard any updates on the young man who did the stabbing at the Oregon Australia? No, I haven't heard anything else about that. Just that Scientology is really pissing off the neighborhood now by doing this whole lockdown and security codes and gates and card access and stuff. And apparently they've they've closed off a section of the road or some ex, some accessibility issue that the that the locals are having a real problem with with them. So um, yeah, so that's not fun. Okay, let's see here. What's uh, Malagog asks? What was your experience relearning how to learn? Uh, i.e. from Hubbard's study tech approach to your current method of learning. Hasn't really changed a whole lot, um, except for the fact that I don't f have an enforcer standing over me anymore, the course room supervisor, right? Making me do demos with the little demo kits and looking up all my words. But if I don't understand a word, I'll still look it up in a dictionary and stuff. The main thing has been that the internet has helped me because I didn't have internet access when I was learning things in Scientology. Um and now I do. So when I'm reading something and I get a question about something, I can not only look up that word or phrase, I can go find out 
all about it, right, on the internet and how that's related. And then sometimes that leads down rabbit holes that are a total waste of time. And other times that leads down rabbit holes that are very productive. So that's been, um, so I think the expansiveness of the wealth of information that's available to me has helped me enormously. Um, but I think how I read and learn and, and, and duplicate information has stayed the same. If anything, as I'm getting older, it might be getting a little worse. It's harder to remember things now than it used to be. Man, I used to have, you got to understand, as a course room supervisor, I used to have whole pages of Scientology materials memorized. I could, I, there were questions that students would ask me and I would just point to the, the bookshelf and go, you know, tech volume nine, page 304, paragraph three is the answer to your question. Go look it up, right? I, and I, I, I developed that skill. I, I, I worked on getting that ability, right? And memorizing whole passages and stuff from Hubbard's works. Uh, one, I've forgotten most of that now. And two, what a waste of time. <laughs> you know? so, so I don't learn that way anymore. I don't try or strive to do any of that. So, so maybe in some ways, actually, it's changed quite a bit, actually, now that I'm sitting here talking about it. Uh, okay, let's see here. Uh, oh, Dante asks, what's the most destructive cult, religious or otherwise, you've studied? Why is it the most destructive? Great question. The answer is Scientology. And the reason is not because that's the group I came from, but because I have been told by other cult experts who were, didn't, were not former Scientologists who have studied this quite deeply, that Scientology is the group that uses the highest volume of mind control or thought reform techniques out of any of the groups out there. Think about this. Uh, TM. Right, Transcendental meditation at its highest levels is a destructive cult. At the lowest levels, it's just nonsense. But at the highest levels, it involves hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of meditating and to the point that you're trying to levitate. You're trying to float above the ground. Seriously, I'm not joking. But TM uses one mechanism to get you there, right? which is, which is transinduction through meditation. That's one thing they're doing, and they focus everything around that one component. There are lies, there are half-truths, there are deceptions along the way, so there are other things, there is loaded language, all those other things are there, but really, mechanism-wise, they're only using a couple things, okay? Scientology has hundreds of mechanisms like that, hundreds of them, and they use, and they're, and they're all throughout the Scientology materials and practice. From the word clearing to, um, oh God, the transinduction, post-hypnotic suggestions, the, the, the um, thought-stopping cliches, there are so many things they're doing to you. And that is, um, oh, hey, Paul, thanks. Thank you very much for that super chat, man. I appreciate that. Um, so all the, the, the collective assault on you in Scientology is far more damaging in less time than you experience in some of these other groups, which is not to say that groups like 12 Tribes or the Family or some of these other groups are not horribly destructive groups or that they do not perpetuate awful human rights violations on men, women, and children alike. I'm talking merely about the volume of mechanisms and techniques and control points that exist. Scientology, and especially organized Scientology, once you get into the justice system and the ethics officers and the sect checking and the e-meter, I mean, 
Jesus, man, it is exhaustive trying to just deconstruct it all. So that's why I think Scientology is is the worst that I've seen. Maybe there are other ones out there that are even worse than that, but that's that's been my experience. Okay, I'm going to have to wrap this up soon. I'm just going to fly down through these comments here and see Aleister Crowley was Elrond's teacher uh, in a distant way, you know, in a distant way. I'm actually going to be interviewing somebody, guys, by the way, who is... Um, uh, knows all about the OTO, the Ordo Templi Orientis, the group that Hubbard was involved with, sort of, in a fringe way, with Jack Parsons back in the 40s before he got involved, before he created Dianetics. So uh, we're going to be learning a lot more about Aleister Crowley and, and the OTO and, and Thelema and what that stuff is all about. I think you guys are going to like that episode. That's going to come coming up in a few weeks. Um Okay, let's see here. Go on down the line here. Catholic, Catholic, Catholic. Yep. Charles Lakes. That's the guy. Yeah, he was the Olympic gymnast. That's right. Got it. Thanks, uh, thanks, Aaron, for, for uh, remembering, giving me that name. Um, oh, yeah. Grant Cardone is a popular figure in the business circles I find myself in. Could you speak to how his work is influenced by Scientology? Um. I should. Yeah, I should do a video on that. I'm actually in the middle of writing a response video to an interview that Grant Cardone did with another guy where they talk about Scientology for five straight minutes. He answers the question of Scientology, what is it, why is he involved in it? And, I, and I'm, I'm breaking down a response to that. Oh, hey, Tamara, thank you for that super chat. Appreciate it. So, um, yeah, <laughs> Grant Cardone. What a goofball that guy is. All right. Uh, let's see here. Um, have I seen the massive ET infrastructure on the moon? No. No, I haven't seen that. Okay. Uh, let's see. Yes. Jordana asks, would you be interested in conversing with those who have exited ultra-Orthodox Jewry? There are groups in New York and England who help people who leave physically, financially, emotionally, and religiously. Yes, that is a group I have been interested in finding and interviewing a former member of, but I have not yet had such a person come across my plate. Um, if there ever was an alien invasion, technically Scientology would have been right? Seaward uh, Hot Glass asks. Not necessarily. It depends on who the aliens are and, and, uh, and what their intentions are. Okay, let's see here. Okay, show that. Just answered it. Okay, good. Da 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 da. Tarot cards are Crowley's. Yes, they are. L. Ron Hubbard was definitely using Crowley's pack. Everything John A. Tack has said about this is definitely true. I just, uh, I always push back a little bit because L. Ron Hubbard never actually met Aleister Crowley and never really learned anything from Aleister Crowley directly. So that's why I kind of, that's why you hear a little bit of pushback from me on that. Uh, okay, and let's see about, uh, yeah, let's wrap this up here. I realize how Scientology, da 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 da. I'd like to see George White as a guest. Yes, I did talk to George White behind the scenes. He wasn't particularly interested in guesting on my show as he had just done that three part thing with uh, Ron Miscavige Sr. I might need to reapproach that one. I think you're right. George White would be an awesome guest. Uh, okay, guys, let's wrap it up now. Uh, okay, good. Wyoming. Woo! Wyoming represent. All right, guys. I think I need to, um, oh, I went a little out of focus because my bloody mic went into focus. Ah, that's always annoying. I hope that hasn't been going on too long. 
Okay, guys. Um, thank you very much for coming around and listening to me ramble on here. And if you're enjoying my content and finding it informative, educational, and entertaining, consider joining me on Patreon because that's what keeps this whole activity going and allows me to keep doing what I'm doing here. Um, thanks for your support, uh, monetarily or not, and your viewership. And please uh, share my videos around and share my channel around as I would like to grow beyond all possible expectations. All right. See you guys next week. Let's wrap it up. Bye-bye.